Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hello, everyone. This is uh, Ugo Che, and this is the Traveling Image Makers Podcast. This week, we have a very special episode to share with you. But first of all, let me welcome my co-host from beautiful Chicago, Ralph Velasco. Hi, Ralph. How are you? I'm really well, Ugo. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm uh, just about to spending a week here at home between different trips. Maybe we can talk a little bit about them. But uh, first, I would like to say that I was... Uh, had the pleasure last week to finally meet you face to face in person in person in uh, in New York. We just happened to be there at the same time uh, on our own businesses, but uh, we took the chance to finally meet face to face, and it was also great to attend the talk you gave at Adorama. And to our audience, I would say that you've never attended uh, one of Ralph's presentations. You should because he's. Uh, I mean, I just realized. On that occasion, that he's a terrific speaker, so his uh, his talks are just great. Appreciate that. <laughs> so you you were in New York, and uh, then you I uh, heard I think you went to Mexico, and next you are going to where Los Angeles. Yeah. So uh, just to back up, it was great to meet you as well. That was uh, just serendipity that we both happened to overlap. I think by one or two days in New York, and uh, definitely had to make some time to. To, to know each other face to face. So that was great. And thanks for coming out to the, the talk that I gave at Adorama. Uh, really enjoy speaking uh, in public, had a great time. And uh, yeah, so I came back from New York one day and the next day I left for Mexico where I had a, um, did some scouting, had a day or two to sort of relax a little bit, which I don't often get to do uh, as much as I travel. And then um, back in Chicago for, I think, a day and a half. And then I'm off to California to speak at the travel shows out in Santa Clara, which is in Silicon Valley, and also in L.A. So that's what I've got coming up over the next uh, week or two. And then home for maybe four days, and then I'm off to Cuba. Great. Some really amazing destinations. I would like to mm-hmm. to see myself, some of them again, some of them for, for the first time. Uh, as for me, I'm... Next week, I'll start my trip to Venice, where we have this uh, workshop for the Venice Carnival. I'll be there a week. Uh, so, yep, lots of things coming up. I think we will have uh, uh, opportunities to talk uh, about them when we're both back. We'll uh, tell our respective stories from, from those places. But now I would like to talk about this week's episode, and uh, which is uh, a special episode. And the reason why it's special, because unlike our typical ones where we have a conversation or an interview with a guest. What we've done this time is to contact some of our previous guests and ask them one question. We already did this twice in the past. We published our expert roundups, uh, but this time we did a little bit differently. We asked some of them, we, have, we asked all of them to actually record their answer. So this time you will, uh, you will be able to hear them speak their answer, not just read them and uh, hear it from from our guests in their own voice. So what is the question that we asked from our guests? 
It's the following. What is the one thing you know now about photography that you wish you had known when you started out in your career as a photographer? So we received and collected answers from, uh, I think it's 18 of our guests. And there's a lot of information here for uh, our audience to consume. We got some great stories and we hope that listening to them will... uh, better equip everyone who wants to take up photography a little bit more seriously to avoid some of the mistakes uh, uh, at the beginning of uh, of their journey. We also have a transcript of all the answers, so you will be able to find them on our website at ttim.photo forward slash 63. If you'd rather want to read them than to listen to them, uh, it's fine for us either way. Now, I would like to to hear from you, Ralph. What is the thing that you know now about photography that you wish you had known when you started out in your career? Well, uh, I really think it's a a great question. It's a big question, uh, and it really caused me to reflect. And uh, so I started out doing this part-time about 12 years ago, and I was just doing little photo walks and things like that in the local neighborhood and stuff. But what I learned early on that as a travel photographer, it's extremely important to bring back a variety of images. Uh, I say it often, but uh, I think a lot of us consider ourselves landscape photographers or food photographers or portrait photographers. But if you come home with just those kinds of images from your travels, It's going to make for a pretty boring slideshow book or however it is that you're showing your photography. So come back with a set of images that tells the story. And so I learned that early on that if I wanted to be a successful travel photographer, I needed to be aware of creating images that told the story of the place. Great deep, great insight. Um, As for me, what can I say? I, I think... One thing I would have uh, liked to understand earlier is that gear matters, but not as much as I initially thought. Well, you know, I'm uh, I'm an engineer by trade, so I love looking at numbers. I love looking at charts. So whenever it came to choosing my gear, I spent uh, endless hours online reading reviews, looking at tests, uh, MTF charts, doing comparisons. I thought that I'd absolutely had to have the best equipment, even if it was only marginally better than the, comp- than the competitions. Now, I'm not one of those types who think that uh, gear doesn't matter at all. I think gear matters a lot. Uh, you can shoot birds in flight with a point and shoot. I mean, you can, but you cannot get great results. And, uh, and you know, if I have to spend my hard-earned money, my hard-earned euros on a camera or lens, I want the best stuff that my money can buy. But, I mean, gear doesn't matter doesn't matter that much. And marginal improvements in image quality won't magically make my pictures more beautiful. So now what I wish is that I had spent more time, uh, instead of wasting it reading reviews, I would have used my time learning about light, about composition, or going to a workshop. I think I would have been a better photographer by now. But as they say, you live, you learn. So I've got to, to live with that. It took me a little, more, a little more time. But now I think I've uh, cured myself of that uh, misconception, maybe. 
Great. I love the idea that you had with this one, Ugo, about uh, having people record it, because I think it's important that you hear the answers in their own voices. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I think people will, will really appreciate it. And it's uh, it's great. I mean, I, I listen to this podcast myself, uh, because I want to, to, to listen to how we sound. I listen to many other podcasts, uh, typically when I'm when I'm driving and I don't have uh, all that time to, to sit at my computer and read a long article. So having the, the audio format is great and having the, the transcripts as well for those who want to, to listen to it is, uh, is great as well. So we've got the, the best of both worlds. So uh, let's, let's now listen to, to the first of our experts. Uh, Brenda Tharp. Uh, award-winning photographer and educator. She's been featured in major magazines. Uh, she has written several books. Uh, she's working on a fourth book, uh, but she, she still finds the time to uh, do lectures on photography and lead uh, photography tours and workshops internationally. Uh, Brenda was our guest in episode 52, and you can find more about her at uh, brendatharp.com. So now let's listen to what Brenda has to say. Hi, I'm Brenda Tharp, a travel and landscape photographer. I wish I had known just how to promote myself more effectively. Back then, when I was first starting, I remember thinking that if I just got published here or there, I'd be on my way and image buyers would come looking for me. But that wasn't the case, and I quickly learned that it was still going to be up to me to promote myself, something that many of us creatives don't like to do, but it's necessary. At least today with social campaigns, it's a lot easier to reach a targeted audience of image buyers and tour clients, but it's still an essential part of growing and maintaining a successful career. Thank you, Brenda. Great insight. We like to think of ourselves as mostly artists. That means sometimes we tend to lose track of the business aspects of our profession. And this is a thing that resonated with many of our guests including the next one, uh, another uh, famed uh, photographer and educator, Varina Patel. Let's listen to what she has to say. I wish I'd known that being a professional photographer is as much about the business side of things as it is about photography itself. I started out as an art student, and my parents thought that was completely impractical, and they were right. But not because photography is an impractical career choice. It's because studying art doesn't teach you how to run a business. It doesn't teach you how to build a brand, or market your work, or build a website, or handle online sales, uh, or build a mailing list. So after a couple of years as an art student, I changed my major to language arts, and then finally to information technology. And although I didn't know it at the time, all three areas of study ended up contributing to my success as a photographer. My computer background gave me the skills to build my own website and handle minor programming issues with confidence. My language arts background helped me communicate effectively with businesses, clients, students, fans, you know, in the form of blog posts, presentations, classes. Over the years, I've worked hard to learn new skills from building that mailing list I mentioned, uh, to learning how to build a network of business contacts all over the world, and so much more. The lesson here is a simple one. Follow your dreams, but don't ignore the details. If you're studying art, take a few business and marketing classes along the way. If you want to quit your day job and take up photography full-time, take the time to build yourself a strong foundation. 
read as much as you can about entrepreneurship, talk to others who've been there before you, take a class or two. I wish I'd known how much I would need the skills that keep my business running day after day, but I feel lucky too. I loved the challenge of the learning process and I feel privileged to have been able to build a business I'm proud of while doing something I love. Again, great advice from uh, Varina, and I didn't expect anything less from her, knowing that uh, she is uh, not just a great photographer, but also uh, a very savvy businesswoman. And so is our next guest, Kate Siobhan Mulligan. And I think I'm starting to see uh, maybe a pattern here. We have three women, three women photographers who uh, think that they need to focus a lot on business. I'm thinking maybe in this male-dominated industry, what we... Uh, expect from women is not just great artistic skills, but in order for them to to break through, they also need to to do more than their male counterparts uh, to become good at business, at marketing, and so on. Maybe it's just a statistical flu fluke of our limited sample, but I don't know something to to think about. Anyway, um, Kate Shivan Mulligan, a freelance travel photographer, photo educator. Uh, CEO of The Giving Lens and lead photo faculty at matadoru.com. So let's uh, listen to what she has to say. Hey, this is I'm Kate Siobhan Mulligan. And one thing I wish that I had known about photography when I started, um, as a career specifically, is <laughs> that when you're making it your job, it's not going to involve very much photography. So I don't think I was prepared for the amount of time I would be spending um, sending emails and networking and studying social media. And even now, um, many years later, uh, much of what I do is all of those things, plus, you know, speaking or I'm blogging or writing articles or teaching. Um, running workshops, but very little of it is actually making photos or editing photos um, percentage-wise of what I do during a day. So early on, I kind of wish I'd invested more in maybe small business courses and um, and maybe shadowed some professional photographers to see on an average day how much time is actually spent at your desk. But it is worth it. It's worth it to do all of that stuff if even 5% of your life can be I'm making, making images and doing what you love. So still totally worth it, but something I wish I'd been more realistic about at the very beginning. All right. Thank you, Kate. That was great. Now let's uh, put the business concerns aside for a while and focus a little bit more on creativity. And we'll uh, give the microphone to Anthony Pond, who was our guest in episode 58. Hello. I've been asked to name one thing that I know about photography now that I wish I had known when I was starting out. Imperfections. When I was starting out, I wish I knew that it was okay to have imperfections in my photos. I mean, we all learn the rules of composition, rule of thirds, not to have intruding objects in the frame, and we work real hard at trying to create that perfect photo. But when you look at the masters, the past masters, the Henri Cartier-Bressons, the Robert Kappas, the, the founders of Magnum, many of their photos contain 
imperfections, and yet they're iconic photos. Why is that? Because of the content. And as I learned and progressed through photography, I, I found out that content is paramount. And you don't need to go for that technically perfect photo. You can have imperfections in your photographs. As long as you have great content, the imperfections will be overlooked. But if you don't have good content, then people are going to look at those imperfections. They're going to point out those imperfections. They're going to tell you, you violated this rule, you violated that rule. So the key to me is embrace your imperfections, but go for the content of the, of the scene. Go for content, emotional impact in the photograph, and your imperfections will be forgiven. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Anthony. This is something that I really need to look into because I'm a bit of a perfectionist myself. So maybe I need to learn to let go a little bit more. And what can cause imperfections? Maybe making mistakes. Our next guest, Christian Merman, who was our guest in episode 49, uh, has something to say about the importance of making mistakes and why we should not be afraid of them. Hi, this is Christian Mehrmann from chm-photography.com. I was asked to name one thing that I wish I would have known at the beginning of my career as a photographer. When I first read the question, I, I immediately, immediately felt that this was quite a peculiar thing to ask, because when I thought about why somebody would ask such a question, the only reason that came to my mind was to use the answer to prevent mistakes in the future. And this to me is indeed a very peculiar notion, because I cannot see any value in not making mistakes. In my mind, mistakes are the motor of the creative progress. Mistakes drive the learning process forward. Without mistakes, there, there can be no, no learning, no progress, no, no development, no growth. And if this is true, then the consequence is that I, as a photographer, to a large degree, I am the sum of the mistakes I made and the learning and growth which these mistakes initiated. In this sense, I am completely happy with the mistakes I made and I am looking forward to making many more. For those who hope to increase the speed of their development by following advice of the kind that might come up as an answer to the question we are discussing here, I can quote the great Edward Weston, who said, If I have any message worth giving to a beginner, it is that there are no shortcuts in photography. So, with this being said, I can wholeheartedly say that my answer is nothing. So, if you're not worried about being perfect, maybe you should not even worry about others being supposedly perfect. And... Uh, our next uh, interviewee, Soraya Cordeville of childrenportraitslondon.com, who was our guest on episode 46, uh, has some ideas about that. So let's listen to Soraya. Hello, this is Soraya. Um, the one thing that I now know about photography, which I wish I'd known at the beginning of my photographic career, was to now not worry so much about what other photographers are doing. Obviously take inspiration and be guided by the current trends of what other photographers are doing, but be um, strong and 
confident in your own work and the way that it is taking your career because it will it will then give you a more of a distinctive style and set you apart from all of the other photographers. Thank you, Saraya. Short and sweet and to the point. And I just love your British accent, by the way. So if you should not worry about making mistakes and should not worry about what the others are doing, what should be your main source of inspiration? What you should look up to when trying to find your own style and direction in photography? Maybe our friend Chris Smith of the Out of Chicago Photography Conference has something to say about that. This is Chris Smith from out of Chicago. When I first started as a photographer, I was always happy anytime I had a camera in my hand. So whether I'm out with friends or around at home, whatever, I was just happy to be taking pictures. But after you kind of learn your camera and you learn how it works, you learn lighting, maybe Photoshop and all of that, all of that stuff kind of moves into the background. And the thing that becomes the most important is your subject. So even though in the beginning you just love having that camera in in your hand, eventually you want to make sure that you're photographing things that you love, things that you are passionate about. So think about the things in your life that you love, that you're passionate about. Forget about the camera and uh, photography. Just think about what things, what events do you like being a part of? What objects do you like? Uh, Maybe you want to be a product photographer. Whatever. Think about the things that you love. Maybe even make a list of 20 things that you're passionate about in life and then think later, hey, how could this apply to photography? Because you never want to go down a route where you're like, put some pictures online, uh, someone sees them, they go, wow, this person's a pretty good photographer. Hey, you want to shoot my wedding? You go, yeah, I love having a camera in my hand and uh, you're going to pay me a little bit of money. I'm in, let's do it. And then after you do three, four, five weddings, you go, geez, I hate weddings. I hate going to them. I hate everything about them. They're stressful. Why did I start doing this? Figure out before that the thing that you do love so that when you wake up in the morning on the day of the shoot, you go, oh, yes, I can't believe I'm getting to go and do this. So find what you are passionate about and go down that route. Now, one way to figure out what you're passionate about is to try all kinds of photography. And one of the best ways to do that would be to come to the Out of Chicago Photography Conference. It's this June 23rd through the 25th. It's in Chicago, of course. Uh, We're going to do travel and street photography and portraits and architecture, landscapes, everything. So try all sorts of photography with your favorite photographers, Hugo Che and Valerie Jardin, Rick Salmon, Ian Plant, Steve Simon, Bill Fortney, Derek Story. The list goes on and on and on. It's a ton of fun. But bottom line, figure out what you're passionate about and shoot what you love. Thank you, Chris. Great advice. And uh, so great that I will forgive you a little pitch you gave uh, for your conference, which, by the way, is truly an amazing conference, and I don't say so just because I will be speaking there this next June. So we had Anthony Pond and Soraya Cordeville telling us what we should avoid, and we had Chris Smith telling us what we should focus on. But can there be a method in all of this? Uh, Karen Hutton of KarenHutton.com, who was our guest in episode 34, has something to say about this very topic. So the question is, name one thing that I've learned about photography that I wish I'd known at the beginning of my career. Well, I can't really answer that question directly because it's not how I see things. To me, thinking about what I wish I had known is sort of like trying to drive my car down a road by looking in the rearview mirror. 
not really productive, not going to get me where I want to be. So I just don't think in those terms. But here's how I do approach it, whether it's photography, my photography business, my life. There are three ideas I apply. One, where am I now? Two, how does it align with where I'm headed? And three, based on how I answer numbers one and two, am I on track or do I need to make a course adjustment? I like those three things because they apply to my life, my business, and my artistic vision. They are the three, if you want to think of it as homing points that I return to over and over and over again. I honestly assess where am I now? Am I happy? Am I comfortable? Am I feeling good about where I'm going? Above all, am I feeling good? And if I'm not, well, am I aligned with where I'm headed? Is that why I'm not comfortable? Am I heading off a direction I never wanted to go? Am I photographing things that don't really sing to me? Am I creating work that really resonates with who I am and what I want to say and what my stand in the world is? And if the answer to those two things is yes, chances are the answer to number three is yes also. Am I on track or do I need to make a course adjustment? But if one of the answers of the first two is no, or I feel off track, or I don't feel right, then I have to stop and look at myself and say, what's going on here? Am I getting into a rut? Am I really following the vision of what lives in me and needs to be expressed? Because those things change and evolve as you do. So I ask myself, am I making choices that matter? Do I need to shoot different things? Do I need to pursue different work opportunities? Am I aligning myself with opportunities and results that I'm going to love, that are going to fulfill me in every way, whether it's my career, whether it's my life, and whether it's my photography? Big questions. So those are three little things that I do for myself to keep myself on track, and I hope it helps you. Thank you, Karen. Uh, We had some really great and positive messages from our previous experts but sometimes, let's face it, we fall into a rut, we fall victim to discontent, we second-guess ourselves, uh, it looks like we're not making any progress. And our next uh, guest, Susan Onisco of uh, SusanOnisco.com, who was uh, interviewed in episode 44, has something to say about this. So let's listen to Susan. This may be a bit abstract, or it could be the elephant in the room, but I feel like it's something that really needs to be said. I am oftentimes surprised by the discontentment I have for my work as I grow as a photographer. This perception seems to get worse the longer I do it. What looks good today, I detest tomorrow. I am constantly bombarded by the voices in my head. Why didn't you? I should have. If only I'd have thought of that at the time, to the point of really thinking I have a mental issue. The jury's still out on that one. I always thought that professionals, once they reach a certain level, didn't question the quality of their work. Maybe there is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow in this respect. I guess only Art Wolf can tell us. I would think that they would know all the answers with all their years of experience in the field, that they would walk into a scene and bam, nail the shot on their very first try. I would think that the numbers of photos I take in the field would be reduced. I always had the motto of quality over quantity when I was showing my work. I would think that by this time, that would also happen in the field, but it doesn't. I think it's hard today to not compare your work to that of others. We live in the era of information. I can, with one click, see amazing images on my computer. There are pros and cons to this. 
It can make us a better photographer, make us strive to be better, or it can simply make you want to put the camera down and walk away. I, like many I believe, walk the tightrope in between that line every day. I'm overly critical, and that makes me hungry. It makes me have a relentless drive not to settle for just any photo. It also makes me slightly insane. It forces me to use the one skill that only I have, and that's my unique, genuine vision. As a photographer, I feel that's our greatest strength. It's our superpower. Exposure, camera technique, that's the easy stuff. But to be able to let all that fade away into the background of our mind and let your vision run wild is the hard part. Wow, some soft-spoken but really powerful words from Susan. It appears obvious that we cannot rest on our laurels and we need to strive for continuous improvement of our photography. So our next guest, Chris Upton, a travel and landscape photographer from the UK, um, has something to say about uh, a specific idea about improving your photography. You can find more about Chris at chrisuptonphotography.com. I'm Chris Upton from the UK. The one thing that I wished I knew when I started in photography was that the best way to improve your images was simply to get up early and stay out late, to shoot at the best time of day. It also doesn't cost you a thing, no new equipment, nothing, but it will have a dramatic impact on your pictures. Now the blue hour and the golden hour are considered, especially by landscape photographers, as the perfect time to take pictures because of the quality of the light. But it's also a great time to shoot cityscapes when the artificial lights balance with the ambient, providing some wonderful colour contrast. The blue hour is my favourite time, and it's that period when, in the morning, the sky changes from inky blue to lighter blue, and it starts around 30 minutes before sunrise. But the peak can be that 10 to 15 minute period before the sun pops up. At sunset, the blue hour is that 30 minute period after the sun has gone down. But at sunset, just make sure that you hang around for around 40 minutes after the sun's gone down because you'll often be presented with some spectacular colour in the sky. So there you have it, my simple tip and the one thing that I wished I knew when I started was get up early and stay out late. All right, Chris, I'm not a morning person, but I promise I'll try to get up earlier one of these days. So we talked about light and uh, our next uh, expert, Doug K of DougK.com, has also something to say about light. So let's listen to Doug. So the one thing about photography that I know now that I wish I'd known when I started my career as a photographer, well, let's forget about the career aspect and look at what it takes to make a good photograph and what I've learned about that. It may sound silly, but I wish I'd realized earlier on how important the quality of light is to making a good photograph. You're probably saying, well, how could anybody not realize the importance of light? Or how could you consider yourself to be a photographer without understanding light? I'm not just talking about hard light versus soft light. I'm talking about the ratios of key light to fill light. Yes, even in street photography. Reflections, bounced light, the angle of the light, the color of the light, how the light wraps around your subjects to create depth, and how light reveals or obscures detail. 
I've been shooting one way or another for over 55 years, and while I've learned the basics of light and exposure at an early age, I continue to discover that light is almost everything. If you're shooting landscape, street, fashion, or almost anything else, I find more and more that I consider the quality of light even before I select my subject or pin down my composition. I hope that what I wish I knew when I started in photography will help you now. This is Doug Kay. Thanks, Doug, for reminding us about the importance of light. Of course, if you want to capture the best light, you also need to apply a proper technique to select appropriate values of shutter speed, ISO, and aperture. And our next guest, Barbara Weibel of HoldingTheDonut.com, is going to tell us uh, about a mistake that she uh, did a lot at the beginning and how she learned to avoid it. So let's hear Barbara now. Even at the age of 11, when I first began taking photographs, I knew about the cardinal rule of shutter speed. When shooting handheld, never choose a shutter speed that's slower than the focal length of the lens. So, for example, if I was shooting with a 50mm lens, my shutter speed should be no less than 1 50th of a second. I soon discovered, however, that I had an unusually steady hand, and over the years I found myself breaking that rule quite regularly. In low-light situations, it wasn't unusual for me to take a handheld shot at 1 8th of a second. My photos weren't perfect at that slow speed, but they were amazingly good. And shooting at slower speeds allowed me to use a lower ISO, and that meant less noise in my photos. Some years ago, my photography focus began to shift a bit. Rather than pretty landscapes, I began shooting more street photography and portraits. More people in my shots meant more movement, and that required faster shutter speeds. So I began experimenting. Rather than using the recommended minimum shutter, shutter speed, I started shooting at faster and faster speeds. And I noticed something. My shots got sharp, and I mean exquisitely sharp. These days, my walk-around lens is a Zwicko 12-40mm f2.8 Pro. Even though technically I should be able to get decent handheld shots at 1 40th of a second, I rarely shoot anything using a speed slower than 1 250th of a second, and most of my work is shot at 1 320th and 1 400th of a second. Fortunately, camera technology in recent years has also evolved, and much less noise can be seen in shots taken at ISOs that are 800 or less. Looking back at some of my early work, this is the one thing I wish I'd figured out years earlier, and I hope that passing it along will help other up-and-coming photographers. I am sure this will be helpful, Barbara. So thanks for reminding us of the importance of shutter speed for getting sharp photos. Now, speaking of sharpness and focus, uh, we also have a contribution by uh, great educator Shiv Verma of uh, shivverma.com that I interviewed in episode 17. Let's listen to what Shiv has to say about focus. Thank you, Hugo, for coming up with another very interesting topic for discussion. And thank you once again for asking me to participate. You ask us to name one thing about photography that you know now and that you wish you had known when you started out in your career as a photographer. Well, before I can respond, let me state that we are fortunate we don't know it all. We're all constantly learning, and hopefully this process continues 
as there is so much more we have to learn. I am fortunate that in my world of photography, I am teaching and learning all the time. So what is it now that I know, but I wish I had known before? As primarily a nature, wildlife and landscape photographer, with a fair emphasis on macro, I always struggled with depth of field. There was never enough. Using a very small aperture always resulted in soft images. On many an occasion, I used to abandon the subject or the scene, as the resulting image never looked like what I wanted it to be. Typically, these ended up in my round file. Now this is no longer a dilemma. The concept of photo stacking solves all the problems of depth of field. The ability to capture multiple images using the best aperture that your lens can provide for as good images, and then combining them in software to create a single image with excellent sharpness through the scene is just incredible. The ability to use wide apertures and selectively pick a range to be sharp allows me to create what I had always longed for before. What is even more interesting is that with new firmware updates, mirrorless cameras from Panasonic, Olympus and Sony can now capture multiple images and do the stacking in camera. The resulting image is a JPEG, but you can use the focus bracketing features to capture RAW files that can be used with many software applications, including Helicon Focus, Affinity and Photoshop. Truly, with the advent of digital cameras and excellent software, we can now do things that were never possible with, an, with analog photography. We can now extend our creativity to a whole set of new heights. Ugo had asked for the inclusion of an anecdote or story. However, I find that the ability to create such images is compelling enough. Thanks once again, Ugo. So, thanks Shiv for letting us know about this very useful technique. I think it's definitely important that photographers uh, know what can be done in camera, like focus stacking in this case, and what can be done uh, uh, at the computer in post-processing, and uh, what are the necessary skills to get a certain kind of uh, images. But other people think that business skills are equally important, or even more important than technical skills. Uh, we've heard uh, some of those opinions at the beginning. Um, now we have my friend Brent Mail, who I interviewed. Uh, uh, that was episode one, actually. That's a long time ago. Uh, who has a very strong opinion about the relative importance of uh, business and technical skills. So let's listen to Brent. Hey, guys. My name is Brent Mail, and I'm at shareinspirecreate.com. Uh, and Ugo has asked me to answer a question, one of the biggest mistakes I made uh, in photography when I was first starting out. And I think the one that I want to talk about is to do with the business of photography. You know, I ran a very successful portrait photography studio for about a decade and I sold it uh, not too long ago. And one of the biggest mistakes I made when it comes to the business of photography was I was focusing too much on my photography skills and not enough on the business of photography. And what I mean there is initially when I first started my business, I was focusing on becoming the perfect photographer, you know, focusing on lighting, focusing on my camera skills, making sure that I could get amazing images out there. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
But if you're in the business of photography, what I suggest you do instead is actually focus on business. So basically small business, marketing and those type of things, which will actually help you so much more than focusing on the photography skills. And I see this with so many people starting out when it comes to the business. They focus on getting the best images, you know, making sure their shutter speed's great. Also investing so much money in their camera gear and their camera skills and their Photoshop skills or their Lightroom skills. That's all good, but I think it's the wrong way to go if you actually want to make a living out of photography. What you should be doing instead is focusing on small business, focusing on marketing, spending money on things that actually will make you money in the long run. Now, spending money on photo gear isn't going to make you money. Even though it's a tool that you need, that's great. But taking that same few thousand dollars and actually putting it into advertising, Facebook advertising or other kinds of marketing that's going to get your phone ringing, that's really where you need to spend your money. So once I did this, once I changed my focus from, uh, you know, spending it on my photography skills and I changed my focus to marketing and business, small business in particular, my phone started ringing. I started getting clients. I started photographing clients and I started making money. And it was probably the one biggest thing that the biggest impact it had on my business was that focusing on your business and not on your photography skills. And that's about it, guys. I think that's the probably the biggest mistake I made when I was starting out in my photography career. Uh, and I hope you don't make that mistake too. Thanks, Brent. I think that was uh, seriously great advice. Now that you have the required technical skills and the business skills, the question that you might ask yourself is, where do I start from? Do I have to start at the bottom and work my way up? Well, our next expert, Matt Morland, who I interviewed in episode 41, uh, maybe has a different opinion. Let's listen to what Matt has to say. Um, the thing that I wish I would have known when I started was that you don't need to start at the bottom. So I, I guess I kind of need to elaborate on that. When when I finished photo school, I didn't go directly into working in photography because I figured that I would have to spend quite a while doing jobs I didn't want to do and assisting and all these other things that just didn't seem appealing to me at the time. So I worked in other industries and sort of tried to find a career outside of photo to avoid that sort of fear of, of the entry-level position and of doing things that I didn't want to do. Um, but my photo work actually started picking up kind of out of nowhere, like through Instagram, uh, a small marketing agency. Well, small at the time, they're a lot bigger now, but they found me on Instagram and started asking me to do shoots for brands and like brands that I knew brands that I recognized. And, and I sort of quickly realized that, you know, you don't have to be the best person in your city to shoot for like Nike or, um, or even car companies or things like that. Like the, the opportunities really just come if you, if you hunt them down. I mean, obviously marketing companies and stuff are good places to start because they have access to bigger clients, but 
I've found through a lot of my work that if I just keep sending emails, keep talking to people, keep asking that I can have clients that I figured were only available to people that have been doing this for over a decade. So I guess if, if I had something that I wish I knew when I started, it was that you don't need to start at the bottom, that you can really just go after the, the clients that you want to have as long as you're making good work and you're, you've got the skills to back it up. I mean, you don't necessarily need to be the best photographer in the world to work for the best clients in the world. All right, that was Matt Morland, and you can find more about Matt at his website, uh, mattmorland.com. Our next guest, uh, Taylor Jackson, has a story to tell that runs uh, along lines that are very similar to what Matt was uh, telling us about. So I think it's nice to listen them back to back. So next up, uh, Taylor Jackson, who I interviewed in episode nine. Hey everyone, I am Taylor Jackson, a photographer from Canada, and the one thing that I wish that I would have known when I was first getting started out as a photographer that I've since learned over and over again, it's that money spent to experience things rather than gear is far more beneficial to your career as a photographer. I learned this out for the first time, I was probably 16, 17, and a band invited me to go to New York City to drive from Toronto down to New York, and uh take some pictures of them recording their first record and at the time it didn't really seem like that big of a deal it was kind of cool I get to go in this tour bus with my friends and uh, go down to a cool city that I've never been to take some pictures do what I love but what that really did was it elevated me to be this photographer that had traveled to New York City on this commission and was now a big deal meanwhile really it was just me going along with my friends to have a good time but on my own dime but the way that the public saw it and the way that uh, I was now perceived as a photographer, I was taken a little bit more seriously. And uh, that really helped kind of launch into my professional career. And that was a huge stepping stone that I didn't really realize at the time, but looking back was uh, one of those key pieces of my life uh, as a photographer. So that was uh, Taylor Jackson. And I would encourage anyone to go to aphotographer.in.com where Taylor has a series of really entertaining and informative videos shot in different parts of the world. Next up, we have more great business advice from uh, Jen Pollock Bianco. We interviewed Jen uh, in episode 57. She's a Seattle-based travel photographer and owner of the luxury travel blog My Life's a Trip that you can find at mylifesatrip.com. Uh, she has some opinions about stock photography. So let's listen to Jen. The one thing I wish I knew more about when I started out as a professional travel photographer was the stock photo industry. I wish I would have understood um, how to sell images that weren't necessarily important to me, that have value to other people and market them and got a system in place so that I could upload and get images sold um, on Getty or through apps like IM Market where you can do it directly from your iPhone um, just to generate passive income. The goal as a travel photographer is to 
have, you know, be working all the time and you don't, aren't always on assignment or aren't always making money. So any income that you can get passively is fantastic. So I would encourage anyone who's trying to break into photography professionally, no matter what uh, sector, travel or not, to learn a little about the stock photography market and just keep an eye open for shots that might work in that market and figure out uh, a way to sell them um, so that there's some additional income because nobody hates extra money. So thank you, Jen. Uh, I don't know who is still making a living doing stock photography, but it can definitely be a source of extra income if done properly, and Jen definitely knows how to do that. We're now getting close to the end of our uh, expert roundup, and we still have one more contribution from uh, Lauren Beth. Uh, Lauren Beth is a professional Instagrammer uh, that I interviewed in episode 22, and you can find more about uh, Lauren Beth, of course, on Instagram. Her uh, handle is Lauren E.P. Bath. And uh, unfortunately, Lauren had some technical issues, so she couldn't record her contribution. Uh, she just sent us uh, the text, so I'm just going to read it out loud for you. Lauren says, Photography is expensive, and it never becomes less expensive. I can still remember the first time I bought a camera and lenses, and realized I would need a bag and tripod and memory card. As I left the store with everything, I was thinking, excellent, now I have everything that I need, haha. <laughs> Even when you're turning a great profit and you have all the lenses you thought you would ever want, there are always, always other things to buy. Upgrades, damaged or old cameras, new accessory bags, upgraded tripods and filters. The list goes on. Just make sure you've always got some money set aside and a list going so you can keep a bit of control about it. So there you have it. I think we had some uh, great insights and great experiences shared by all of our experts. And you will be able to find all the transcripts at ttim.photo forward slash 63 and links uh, to each uh, guest's uh, uh, website or uh, social media profile where uh, you can go if you want to learn more about them. And Ralph, I think you agree with me on this. Before we say goodbye to our audience, would you just uh, let them know where they can find more about you online? So I uh, everything's pretty much at my website, photoenrichment.com, and I'm pretty much at Photo Enrichment or at Ralph Velasco on all the social media networks. Would love it if people uh, came there, especially to our Facebook page slash Photo Enrichment. Give us a like. And also think about uh, putting in a review on the podcast and uh, spreading the word. Absolutely. And we want to hear from you, our dear audience. Uh, if there are any questions that you have in your mind, uh, maybe you think they would be great for a future expert roundup, why don't you write to us in the comments or you get in touch with us on, on Twitter, Facebook. We are uh, traveling image makers pretty much everywhere. So leave us a comment, leave us a review, uh, get in touch directly. We'll be glad to hear from you. Until next time, all the best and take care. <laughs>